This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the All Things Overlanding Podcast. Get ready to live, learn, and discover. Hey everybody, welcome to All Things Overlanding vlog slash podcast. Uh, This is season one, episode five. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about what is overlanding and just kind of giving you an intro. So uh, kind of put the cart before the horse, I guess, a little bit on the previous episodes. We've kind of dived into gear. We've talked about sleeping options. Um, we've talked about how to plan trips, that sort of thing. But I kind of wanted to take a step back. I actually got a suggestion from a subscriber of mine named Patrick. So thanks, Patrick, for the idea. Uh, you know, he said, look, I'm new to overlanding. I want to know more about just in general, what is overlanding? I get the gear stuff. I get all that stuff. I love that stuff. But tell me more about just what is overlanding in general, where did it come from, all that good stuff. So again, with today's episode, that's kind of the whole uh, idea behind it. I'm going to be covering a few different things. Um, one of those things is I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of overlanding. Um, after that, I'm going to get into sort of the more modern definition and what it's kind of turned into over the last 100, 120 years or so. Um, and then lastly, I'm going to cover kind of what I love the most about overlanding, which is how flexible it is and how many options there are for how you can do it. So those are the three big things we're going to cover today on today's episode. Again, shout out to Patrick, my subscriber, for making this recommendation. Uh, Anybody listening to this on podcasts, uh, watching it on YouTube, seeing it on my Facebook or Instagram channels, please, you know, like the video, like the podcast, subscribe. Um, But more importantly, comment down below and tell me what you think of it. Also, give me suggestions. Uh, As Patrick did, he gave me a suggestion. And now, guess what? I'm I'm shouting him out on the video. I'm shouting him out on the podcast. And we're going to talk about what he wanted to talk about. So comment down below. Tell me what you guys would like to see. Tell me if there's specific gear you want reviewed. Tell me if there are specific topics that you want covered. And I'll do the research. I'll put the time in and I will will put a show together for you. Um, So again, let's dive into this episode. Uh, What is overlanding? An intro. So, part one, the history of overlanding. Um, Did a little bit of research on this, and actually I've kind of read some of this before, but so I dove even deeper and and kind of went across a a number of blogs and forums and things like that to do some research. Uh, The most common theory, I guess you would say, or or understanding of where overlanding came from was that it, it kind of started in the early 1900s in Australia. Not surprising, I know. Um, It was inspired largely by a gentleman named Len Beadle, who in the 40s and 50s uh, was working on constructing some different trails and roads in order to drive cattle or, you know, sheep or cattle, things like that, large distances across large areas in Australia. Um, And back then, you know, it was extremely wild. So there were no paths. It was completely un discovered completely untracked, uh, if you will. So this gentleman was working to construct some of the trails and roads that, you know, overlanders in Australia still use to this day. Um, so it's kind of a cool origin story, I guess, if you will, for overlanding. Um, but then 
since then, it's gained popularity towards like the 80s through the 2000, Route 2000. It gained a lot of popularity with the Camel Trophy event, um, famous for Range Rovers and things like that, traversing some extremely intense uh, terrain. Uh, and if you go Google, definitely YouTube, you know, search on YouTube for Camel Trophy events and things like that. I mean, I've seen these these Land Rovers basically underwater, like up to their windows, going across water crossings and things like that, uh, riding on a barge that looks like it's about to fall apart at any second. It's made out of like just down trees and things like that. It looks crazy. And these guys were out of their minds, but also like superheroes of overlanding. Um, so definitely look up some YouTube videos on camel trophy events and, and check those out because they are amazing. Um, I'll put some links down below to some of my favorites just so you can, you know, have an easier time to check them out. So that's kind of the history of overlanding, right? So that encapsulates sort of the, the main history, you know, started around the early 1900s as, you know, vehicles started to gain popularity and traction um, and give people options for how to traverse long distances and overcome some of those more challenging terrains um, and then gain more popularity 80s to 2000. Um, and I'm also going to, I'll post a picture here. There's a, a cool tool called Google Trends. Totally free tool from Google um, that will allow you to kind of throw terms into it and see, you know, increases in searches being done for it. And I'm going to throw this picture up right here uh, to show you just in the last. So they started tracking that data in about 2004 through current. So that's as far back as you can go. But I'm going to show you on this picture up here just since 2004, how it's skyrocketed up. It's hockey sticked up. So there have been a lot more searches on it. There's a lot more people that are interested in overlanding, which is exciting. But even saying that, there's still, you know, most people, when I say I'm an overlander, I, I go on overlanding trips, they see my truck and they're like, wow, you don't have cladding on the rear and it's, you know, got rust and it's got dents in it and, you know, big trail scrapes down the side from branches and things like that. And I love it, but they're like, wow, your truck is kind of beat up. Not, it's still not that popular, even though it's become way more popular than it was even 15 years ago. Um, so again, trying to spread the word here, trying to get new people interested in the hobby. Uh, it's a great one. So let's go on to the next section, though. So that brings us to today. So the modern definition of overlanding has changed a little bit. So we're not talking about, you know, moving cattle cross country, that sort of stuff, at least not in the U.S. We're not doing that a whole lot. Maybe some people are, not me. Um, I do it mainly to get off the grid, get away. Um, so the, the definition of modern overlanding is basically this. It's vehicle-supported, self-reliant travel to remote destinations where the journey is the primary goal. So think about that. So again, vehicle-supported. I have my 05 Nissan Xterra SE. Uh, I've got a two-and-a-half-inch lift on it. Just redid the front suspension. Just put new... Uh, shocks from an off-road trim on it, which gives me about two inches more droop on the rear. Uh, got a lot of armor underneath of it. Uh, I've got a number of modifications. I've got a ton of gear mounted inside the thing so that I'm always prepared no matter where I am. Um, but so I am relying on that vehicle. When I go on those trips, I try to take every single thing I could possibly need from inverters to axes to chainsaws to, you know, all the things that I might even need just based on the obstacles that I anticipate that I might encounter. Um, so that's the vehicle supported part, self-reliant part as well. Remote destination. So that's kind of the cool thing too. So, you know, as we know, it's typically mechanized. It's generally for longer periods of time. But the cool thing about it is, since you're talking about remote destinations, unlike a lot of 
people today that go camping, right? So, and nothing wrong with camping. Camping's perfectly fine. Sometimes my family and I just go camping um, because it's easier. It doesn't take as much preparation. It doesn't take as much packing. You have more room in the vehicle for the kids, which, you know, I guess you got to take them with you as well. Um, But so the remote destination part is really, in my opinion, one of the more important parts of what makes overlanding. So again, versus going to a state park, pulling up to a camp gate, paying an admission fee, driving in on concrete, maybe parking in a parking lot and even, you know, hiking your stuff a little ways back to your campsite, or in most cases, having a little, you know, parking spot where you park your car and then you unload your tent right there. You can't collect firewood. There are a bunch of rules around you. You have to buy it at a camp store. Like in my opinion, you know, for me personally, and it's, it's my opinion, I just don't dig that. It's better than not camping, right? So like if I if it's that or no camping, I will definitely go to a state park and I will do camping. But overlanding to me takes it up a notch. It takes it to that next level where really the journey, as I mentioned, is the primary goal. So overcoming, you know, a down tree in the middle of a path on a, you know, a backwoods fire road. Um, overcoming difficult terrain, overcoming a, a water crossing, um, being out there for three, four, five days in a row without seeing anyone, without encountering civilization again, and having the things that you need to be able to endure that and, and oftentimes endure it comfortably, right? Like, I'm not saying you have to go out there with two sticks to rub together to start a fire and, you know, beef jerky. That's, that's not it at all. You can take as much stuff as you want as long as you can fit it in your vehicle uh, and have a great time. So that's kind of the modern definition. Vehicle-supported, self-reliant travel to remote destinations where the journey is the primary goal. Um, And the other cool thing about modern overlanding is, again, you're trying to plan to overcome the elements, right? You're trying to plan to have a fun trip where you are prepared for every possible outcome. Uh, The cool thing about that, though, is... It actually, in my opinion, and, and, you know, comment down below if you disagree or comment down below if you agree with me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. The planning and the packing and the setting up of the vehicle, that's almost as much fun as taking the actual trip. I know when I'm getting ready for an overlanding trip, a lot of the times I'll do a weekend, a two-night trip, maybe three-day, two-night trip to Hoosier National Forest, which is about an hour and a half or two south of me here. Um, when I'm doing that, when I'm preparing for it, I will probably at least a week out start making a list. So I've got, I use Google Sheets and I put together a list of all the items that I need to pack. I put together where they're going to go, if they're going to go in my Plano crates, if they're going to go in the truck, if they're going to go up on the roof, if they're going to go, you know, if you have a trailer, is it going to go on the trailer? Does it go in the cooler? That kind of stuff. I start pre-planning all that stuff because if you don't, you're going to forget something. That's just the way that it works. It has always happened to me the time that I decide not to make a list because I'm like, oh, I've got it all in the truck already. Then I get out there and I don't have a chainsaw and I come across a tree down. So the planning is also a really important and fun part of that as well. So that kind of gives you a, a good look at what the modern definition is, a little bit about you know the it being mechanized, it being for longer periods of time, that the setup is almost as important as the actual trip itself, that the journey is as important as the destination. That's kind of the definition of modern overlanding. So that's part two that we were going to talk about. So part three is going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about flexibility slash the options that you have with overlanding. Um, Now, again, this is kind of my favorite part. So the history is really interesting. You know, the self-reliant travel is really interesting. 
I'm a car guy personally. So for me, the uh, flexibility and the options that you have when, you know, planning these trips, when setting up your rig, when shopping for gear and things like that, it's that just makes it so much fun because, you know, historically. So just to tell you a little bit historically, you know, due to the challenging nature of the trails that you're going to take, you know, again, traveling to find places where people can't typically get to get off the grid, you kind of have to have something that's capable. But that's about where the, the rules end. So, you know, I've said it in other videos before. You could go overlanding in a Toyota Prius. Most of the roads in Indiana are pretty flat. There's not a lot of challenge to them. You could just go on some gravel roads and you could find a really, you know, sweet campsite, dispersed camping site off the road and have a great time. Um, the stuff that I like to do is a combo of, you know, the the journey being the important part of it where I like to have some challenge. So I did the Trans-Wisconsin Adventure Trail a couple years ago, a year and a half ago now, um, and it was a lot of fun, but it was mostly sandy roads, uh, not a ton of challenge, not a lot of thrill, nothing that my truck couldn't do in two-wheel drive, honestly. Um, so what I'm kind of looking forward to this year is I'm going to try and tackle the CAT, the Kentucky Adventure Trail, which from what I've seen and heard is it has varying levels of challenge, but I mean all the way up to extreme crazy rock climbing type stuff. Um, so that's that's kind of where I want to go with it. So again, but those options, right? It depends on where you're going to go. It depends on your you know finances. It depends on the capability of your vehicle. Um, typically, when you look at an overlanding rig, you know the one that you're probably going to hear about the most is a Toyota or a Jeep. Um, Land Rovers also rank up there. There are a lot of people rocking LR3s or old Discoveries, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Jeep XJs, TJs, JKs, all the different Jeeps are all popular options. Um, they're plentiful. They hold their value really well, which is kind of unfortunate. Toyotas, you know, Forerunners, Tacomas. I've seen a few Tundras. Shout out to you, Cody. Um, there's some Ford F-150s. There's, you know, Adam has an F-150. There's, there's a bunch of people I could name that have these different full-size rigs, and they go out and overland those too. A little less capable, a little bit longer wheelbase can be a little bit more challenging, depending on, again, the terrain that you're going to go through. But for the most part, they can do everything that we can do, the smaller rigs. Um, I personally have a 2005 Xterra, like I mentioned. Um, I'm an Isan guy. So for me, that makes sense. That's pretty much my only option for overlanding, something that's going to be tough enough and capable enough to go you know, over some challenging terrain. Um, so that's that's kind of what I like. Is So again, back to that flexibility and those options. It doesn't matter if you're driving a Dodge Durango, if you're driving a, a Jeep JK, if you're driving a Toyota RAV4, RAV4? A Toyota 4Runner. Um, it doesn't matter. You pick whatever you want. Whatever you're most comfortable with, you can do whatever you want. There's people in Suzuki Samurais rolling around, running circles around my truck, you know? Um, so, you know, pick whatever you want based on your personality, based on your experience. If you're a Chevy guy, pick a Chevy, you know, Colorado ZR2. You know, any vehicle that you want, you can do overlanding with it within reason, right? Um, so the other cool things is from a modification standpoint, you have a ton of options there as well. You could be bone stock, and throw some empty mud terrain tires on it and go out and overland. No questions asked. Again, the, the Chevy Colorado ZR2 is a good example of that. It's already fairly well modified from the factory. You could take that thing out stock and not have to do hardly anything to it if you want to risk that expensive of a vehicle off-road. Um, you could you know, take an older vehicle like I've done. You could buy armor. You can get a winch bumper, a winch. Um, you could put, you know... 
gear all inside of it. You can modify the inside, the outside, put inverters in it. You can put dual battery setups in it. You can put solar panels on it. You can put awnings on the roof. You can put rooftop tents on the roof. You can do just about anything you want to these things, or you can do nothing. So bone stock all the way to highly modified. Um, you could spend thousands of dollars on your gear, or you could spend hundreds or even just repurpose stuff you've already got. I'm kind of a combo of that. I'm nowhere near thousands at all in my vehicle and into my gear, but I do love gear. I'm not going to lie. I love gear. I love stickers. I love patches. I love all that stuff. Um, but you don't have to do any of it. You don't have to. You can go out there with, you know, your stock ZR2 and, and throw a sleeping bag in the back that you've had for 10 years and throw a tent in there that's awful and you have to put all the, you know, poles together. And it takes you a little bit longer than everybody else with their fancy rooftop tents and stuff, but it will work just fine. Um, so that's the nice thing is you have a ton of flexibility. You have a ton of options when it comes to overlanding. So, you know, just choose what you want based on your personality and you can do it. So again, just like with almost anything, right, with being successful at your job, with, uh, you know, being successful in sports, anything like that, if you put your mind to it and you sort of set on a goal, again, you don't have to do a ton of stuff to attain it, especially with overlanding. You could take a vehicle that you have today and go out there and just take a trip. Uh, again, the first time that I ever took one, I was a little nervous. I'd never done it before. I just watched some YouTube videos. I wasn't sure what I was doing. I definitely wasn't nearly as equipped as I am now, but I got out there. I met some new people and I had a great time and it hooked me. And that was like three and a half years ago, four years ago. Um, so since then I've taken, you know, 15, 20 trips and I can't get enough. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. I keep getting better equipped. Again, the planning, you know, you just, you get it in your head that you start to think through that gear. You think through that list of stuff that you need to bring. You get more efficient. Maybe sometimes I brought too much in the past. And now as I get better and better at it, I'm starting to consolidate back and get to where I know exactly what I need. And I don't need as much extra stuff. Um, but all that stuff kind of comes together to make overlanding the magical thing that, that I personally think it is. So again, We've covered the history. We've covered the modern definition of what overlanding is. We've talked about how flexible and how many options you have when overlanding. The best piece of advice that I can give you and, and sort of a, a way to wrap this all up into a nice bow is just get out there. Just get out there. Check out your environment. Take what you got right now. Don't spend a million dollars. Don't wait until you have all the best gear. Don't wait until you know you have an awning and a rooftop tent and all that stuff before you go on a trip. It doesn't matter. Just get out there and, and go explore. Um, and again, the more that you do that, the more that you'll learn, the more that you'll be able to make changes to your gear setup, to your, you know, your vehicle, the more you'll know about what you want from a modification standpoint. Um, so get out there, take a friend with you, go out into the wilderness, find a national forest that's free to go into and out of, find a dispersed camping site and have a good time. Um, so again, just wanted to kind of wrap this up by saying, Thanks so much, as always, for listening or watching on YouTube, listening on the podcast. Um, another, you know, sort of final shout out to Pat. Thanks so much for, for the recommendation for this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and again, anybody who is interested in, you know, being shouted out on a future one, post up in the comments. I'm just going to be going through and kind of shouting you guys out. If you have suggestions or ideas for them, again, please comment down below. I will definitely take those to heart and I will work on, you know, some new content for you specifically. Um, so, but most importantly, thanks so much for listening. I, I really appreciate you guys and girls. Couldn't do it without you. Um, this obviously is a passion for me. It's something that I want to continue doing, but 
it also really makes me feel good to see people, you know, listening on podcast channels, see people watching on YouTube, following on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it, it makes me feel good that there are people out there that want to know about this stuff. So again, my goal is to give you the best content possible on overlanding. Um, and the only way that I can do that is for you guys to comment. Let's let's make it a conversation. You know, dive in. Tell me what you want to hear about. So again, I'm going to wrap it up. We're just about at 20 minutes. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching. Uh, like the video, like the podcast, subscribe, comment below. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd like to hear more of. And uh, let's make some episodes together. So thanks for watching. Have a good one. As always, live, learn, discover. Get out there. Check out your environment. Have a good time. Thanks so much for watching. Have a good one. Fletch, out.